Hey guys, welcome to the Living and Collective podcast where we are inspiring and equipping women into living their full lives while working together as the collective. Welcome back, Living in Collective here, Lacey and Christy. We have a super special guest we've been really excited to talk to. We have McCall McPherson from the Modern Thyroid Clinic. She is our local rock star guru in all things health, wellness, and thyroid. That's going to be our big topic today. Um, so welcome. Hi, ladies. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here and share the news about so much hopeful and inspiring information about thyroid. I love that. Positive right from the get go. <laughs> I know we've been so excited for this, and we just know that our ladies that are part of this community are going to benefit so much from the things you have to share with us. So, um, first of all, we want to learn a little bit about you. So, how did you get into this beautiful arena of science and medicine and health? Yeah. So I am a PA and I really went to PA school fully expecting to practice conventional run-of-the-mill medicine. I came out, I was working in what I thought was my dream job at 27 and had my own thyroid crisis. Um, I was already on thyroid medication. I was on levothyroxine, but had all the symptoms of hypothyroidism and was really going to bed every day at like 3.30 after work in the afternoon um, and was spending weekends in bed, recovering from the work week and resting enough to prepare to go back and was just really non-functional. Um, I kept going to my doctor being like, hey, I need help. Like something's wrong. I can't do anything outside of my job and I'm barely functioning there. And he kept repeatedly telling me my thyroid labs were fine. And I was like, but I have every thyroid symptom and was just written off, written off. So out of desperation, um, a few months later, I got on the wait list for one of the only integrative medicine docs in Austin back then, Dr. Ron Manzanero. Waited three months to see him, saw him, and he really turned my life around in a pretty short period of time. Um, he gave me my life back. He changed my thyroid medication and really understood the intricacies of it. Uh, many years later, now he's my business partner and um, my mentor. So um, that's kind of how I ended up. I went from patient to expert out of sheer desperation <laughs> and will. <laughs> Which is so rare and beautiful because one of the hardest parts about being diagnosed with any sort of thyroid dysfunction is connecting with your doctor and trying to, so you have a real empathetic relationship with your clients because you've been, you walked oh. part of those that road yourself. Oh, absolutely. Um, that is something that I value most is my connection with my patients. Truly, I did a whole TED talk about it and I the saw value it. It's of awesome. that. We'll Thank link you. to it in the yeah. show notes oh, for thanks, sure. ladies. Um, but yeah, that's very, very important to me. And it's important to my patients, I find. They're like, I want to see you because you know how terrible this is when my doctor really doesn't think it's a big deal. And truly, it's a huge deal. It's debilitating if it's not you know correctly resolved. Why do you think it's so difficult for women to get a diagnosis. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a long time. <laughs> right in. just can't help it. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> right. The big, the big message I want to share is if your doctor tells you you don't have a thyroid problem, don't believe them because for their, for so many reasons, you really likely might. Um, so keep pushing, keep searching, keep looking. Uh, and I have plenty of resources that I can share with you guys on how to get that information. But um, first of all, they, they look at the wrong labs. So they look at only mainly TSH, sometimes T4, neither of which is good enough to be used for diagnosing hypothyroidism. Second is 
they use terrible, terrible lab ranges that define normal versus abnormal. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, all of every lab's range is different. They're not set. There is no standard normal hypothyroidism or thyroid panel. Um, and doctors, unfortunately, are trained to simply look at your labs and see if anything is in bold or off to the side, meaning is it outside of that particular lab's normal range? Well, if every normal range is, is different and they're far, far too wide because they include sick people, mm -hmm. when they formulate those ranges, right, they're not checking healthy people and stratifying and only pulling data on those people. They're collecting from a huge population of people, mainly people who go to labs and hospitals are sick. And they're just creating an average and saying, this is normal versus abnormal. So the reality that I see in my practice all day, every day is people are debilitated with symptoms within the normal range. And in fact, they have to be so tightly regulated to almost a 0.2 to 0.4 decimal point with most of those lab ranges to actually get their life back and to feel good. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. I know even um, I recently had a blood test in the beginning of the year and trying to figure out, you know, the doctor ranges and I was going, I'm going to a functional medicine doctor, but the doctor ranges. Mm -hmm. And then as I started going deeper down the hole, right. I was the ranges, I have like a, a chart I made on my computer because it was getting so confusing because the doctor mm -hmm. ranges were a lot. And the more that I went into the health and like being healthy and the right. range got smaller and smaller and it was like, oh, that's because of all these sick statistics that are being thrown in that's making that range right. maybe not a healthy thyroid, even though you don't, you're not testing that way. It gets very confusing. It's so confusing. And I made, for that particular reason, I have a thyroid lab guide that I can give you guys the link for. Awesome. It's like mccallmcpherson.com forward slash gift that people can go and download and see what labs they need and what the ranges are. So awesome. that they can see if they actually, in fact, might have a thyroid problem. And then they can know to find someone that could potentially help them for it. That's huge. Yeah. So quick, let's like step out for one second. Yeah. What about the women that are listening that are like, well, how would I know I have a thyroid problem? Like, what are the mm -hmm. symptoms that you see? And, yeah. and what is the thyroid? And what is the thyroid? Like, like where, where is the thyroid? Where is the thyroid? Right. What is it? Where is it? Is and it what shaped is it like do? a specific insect? Right. right. <laughs> hint, hint. So yeah, your thyroid gland is, is like a, it's a butterfly gland on your lower portion of your neck. Um, and sometimes you'll see people with like a goiter or a swollen neck. And if you have that, that's certainly a, a very impressive symptom of having hypothyroidism or more specifically Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune condition that affects your thyroid that I'm sure we'll get into at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, so your thyroid sits there. It is kind of a master hormone that regulates your other hormones and your metabolism. So, you know, as women, and I know you guys have a, a mainly a women population here listening is that my phone? No. I hope not. Okay, good. Um, for women, you know, it's in my opinion, if you're a woman and you have children, it's not a matter of if, but when you'll get thyroid dysfunction. Uh, so you always, always want to be on the lookout for it. It's almost like vitamin D deficiency. We all have it. So hint, hint, take vitamin D everyone, if you're listening. Um, so yeah, so symptoms that you would have if you had hypothyroidism are fatigue, brain fog, dry skin, brittle nails, brittle hair, low sex drive, depression, weight gain, elevated blood sugar, elevated cholesterol, cold intolerance, cracking on the bottom of your feet, all of those sorts of things. Um, so if you're listening and you have you know 75% of the things that I just spouted off, 
um, there's a darn good chance that you have a thyroid problem. So you should start pursuing the best way to get information to figure out if you actually do, because unfortunately you're going to get a lot more information from this podcast than you'll get from your doctor. And those sound like really common side effects. If I'm thinking about my friend group and the things that we are experiencing, I mean, a lot of those, it's very easy to write that off of like, well, yeah, I'm a busy mom. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you have no idea. So this is one of the saddest things I see in my so office. True. My practice is made of moms. Like I'm the the tired, the fatigued, the burnout moms. Those are my people. Um, but they come in and they're like, well, you know, at first I thought I was tired because I was pregnant. And then I thought, well, I just had a baby. And then it was breastfeeding. And then it was, well, now I have a toddler. And now all three of my kids have graduated college and I'm still really exhausted and I have oh terrible gosh. brain fog. And I figured it may be time to do something about it, that it's not just like being a mom. And that's decades mm -hmm. of suffering needlessly. You know, it's so, yeah, don't accept it as the new normal. Get information and figure it out and be sure that it's not something biochemical. Yeah. I, I love that because don't we think it's yes. like the new normal? It's like, oh, we're all exhausted. We're all like good sleep. Who gets good sleep? Totally. Like it's almost a badge of honor not to have good, like, right. oh, I'm exhausted. Look at my... Right. Yeah. The... um. Oh, I just lost my train. I'm so sorry. You're going to ask a good question. I, I know. I was like, oh, my <laughs> So We always do that. I'm like, while you think I can tell symptoms for Hashimoto's. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we, yes. And then I'm really curious too, to just to piggyback at the same question. Uh-huh. Why we're seeing such a rise in oh, Hashimoto's. Oh, that's a darn okay. good question. Okay. So I'm going to answer that one. Awesome. Well, I'll go Hashi first. So okay. symptoms of Hashimoto's are all the symptoms of hypothyroidism commonly because Hashimoto's again is that autoimmune condition where you your body's attacking your thyroid, so you start to lose function. And when you lose function, you get hypothyroidism. So lump in all the symptoms I just mentioned, but with Hashi, additionally, you'll get commonly that swollen neck or like hoarseness, tightness in your throat, kind of feeling something when you swallow, like something stuck in your throat. Hair loss is a big one for Hashi patients. Um, and commonly, I see them also have anxiety. So they have this kind of agitated state. Um, often it can correlate with other autoimmune diseases because once you get one, you usually get another. And then let's segue into your question. Yeah. That was so great. Um, I So the incidence for, for hypothyroidism is a lot in part to do with Hashimoto's. And I'm seeing a ton of Hashi patients, less actually in Austin than I see elsewhere okay. because we have a better lifestyle. So the, the real great thing about functional medicine and Hashimoto's and autoimmune disease you guys are probably aware, but functional medicine views autoimmune disease as inflammatory mediated mm -hmm. and therefore modifiable. So it can be fixed in large, in a large part with our lifestyle. If we can figure out what in our lifestyle is driving that inflammatory response, uh, we can start to reverse that autoimmune process. So if you think about that on the flip side, the reason we see so much Hashi is because we live an extremely inflammatory lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Our food is like mainly chemicals mm -hmm. and refined carbohydrates and absent of nutrients and minerals and uh, tends to be very, very inflammatory. The, the bulk of my practice with Hashi, food-mediated Hashi or a large part food-mediated, the biggest foods that trigger that that I see are dairy and gluten. And that's everywhere. I mean, that's like baseline mm -hmm. for most people, you know? Um, so that's really a, a big explanation is poor food quality, um, there's some link to Epstein-Barr, which most people have as well. Environmental toxins in our home, outside of our home. You know, the things that we put on our body, 
if, in terms of beauty products, whatever it is, all of that adds little by little to the inflammation that our body can withstand. And eventually it can't withstand it anymore. And we get autoimmune disease or symptoms mm -hmm. of inflammation. I love that. So even if someone is diagnosed with Hashi, it's not necessarily, that's not the end of the story for them. I mean, there is no. a, that, that it's a beautiful message for them to change their lives, but this isn't the end of the story, which maybe conventional medicine, if you've been working with a conventional, with conventional medicine, it might be more of a, this is what you have, this is how you're going to treat it, and welcome to your rest of your life, yes. your new normal, right? which we're refusing to accept our new normal, right? Awesome. So yeah, if you go to a regular doctor and you have Hashimoto's, likely they've checked your antibodies one time and they say, you have this thing, it's Hashimoto's. We never have to worry about it again because there's nothing we can do about it. The only thing we have to worry about is the subsequent hypothyroidism that's left from it that we'll treat with medication. But Hashimoto's is not treated in any way with medication. So it's, it's great, great news for these people because they get to preserve their thyroid gland as their antibodies lower and they get more close to remission. And I've put many people into remission. It's very possible and very doable. And that's what, you know, one great resource for that is Isabella Wentz, Dr. Isabella Wentz, the thyroid pharmacist. So if you're listening and you have Hashimoto's, she's totally your go-to. She's brilliant and, and very well researched. So th that definitely is a message of hope for these people. That's awesome. Why dairy and gluten? Is it just I know the inflammatory you know, response from the, it? The inflammatory response from it. And I started, the way that I know that is I test IgG food allergies. So inflammatory responses from food. So I get a panel of 200 foods and it grades them from zero to three. And I'm able to collect this data and it's kind of what makes me good at my job is I have such a high percentage of thyroid patients that I'm able to see large sets of information about a patient population that is very, very specific. So by and large, it's so, it's dairy is definitely number one. You would think it's gluten. Mm -hmm. um, what I see in my practice is definitely first dairy. Gluten's probably, you know, quite a few notches down from that. And there's, you know, the, the concept that gluten is similar to your thyroid tissue. And so your body starts mounting an immune response against your thyroid when it's exposed to gluten. And I do think there's truth to that as well. So I think there's quite a few mechanisms in place that create it, but that's definitely the data that I get over the course of time for my Hashi patients. Would you recommend women listening to like proactively eliminate these things from their diet? Um, you know, there, so these days, at least in Austin, it is pretty easy to go gluten-free. Totally. I mean, when I'm, so I'm celiac, I have the actual autoimmune disease associated with gluten. And when I found out like, 12 years ago, I ordered bread from one place online. It legitimately tasted like cardboard and I never ordered it again. But these days it's so accessible. So I feel like, you know, you, you absolutely could pursue it and try it and see, especially if you have Hashimoto's. Um, Dairy is a little harder, but if you have Hashi, it's worth it. And I tell people, measure your antibodies before, ideally get a food inflammatory test before, but if you can't, go as hard as you can for your health for three months and remeasure your antibodies be as strict as possible with gluten, with dairy, measure again in three months. Cause what's going to happen is you'll see your antibodies lower and then you'll objectively be able to measure the efforts you're putting in to your diet and your lifestyle. And you'll be able to see that change happen in black and white and you'll be more prone to continue. That's awesome. Cause we love measurements and kind Me of too. like, even if you can't, you know, see it, mm -hmm. 
like on the scale, for example, like, mm -hmm. but having those, the measurements of the antibodies and seeing your health change right. internally, that's awesome. It's amazing, you know, and as you see those numbers lower, the closer they get to the normal point, that's real reduction of another autoimmune disease. That's real risk reduction. Because once you have one, your chance of getting another is 30%. If you have Hashimoto's and you put that into remission, basically the likelihood of you getting another autoimmune disease is very, very low. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing because there's more serious ones, MS and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, it's totally worth it. Very, very, very much worth it. And you'll feel it. Yeah. You know? Which is such an encouraging message for our ladies. We mm -hmm. do have a number of ladies in our community that have Hashimoto's and like mm -hmm. are on medications and doing exactly what they're supposed to do as prescribed by their doctors. But that is such a message of hope that there's yeah. more and to be able to retest that we have these types of resources, like you said, to retest and be affirmed that your body mm -hmm. is on your side and it does want to work with you and it's ultimately yeah. trying to protect you really in right. a lot of these, um, the ways that it's responding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally right. Well, this is also such a great reminder for us to, like, we talk about food as fuel and food mm -hmm. as medicine, and we're kind of getting to the age where, you know, aesthetics are great, and we're mm -hmm. all think about that, but, like, mm -hmm. we're trying, you want to, like, preserve your health and your rest right. of your life, and um, a lot of people just don't think about that. They're like, yeah. oh, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to fit in these jeans yeah. in the next month, and right. they're not understanding the sacrifice that they're you know, long-term health and right. probably years of that, you know, yeah. women and food restriction and all mm -hmm. kinds of patterns. That yeah. You know, I often in, in my office find myself telling people, okay, so I want you to think less about what to take out of your diet and more about what to put in. Like put in as many micronutrients as humanly possible and see how you feel mm -hmm. and then worry about taking other stuff out later but if the bulk of your diet is nutrient dense foods you're going to feel so good you're going to want more mm -hmm. of the things that serve you and make you and make you feel good um, and for me the easiest way that I tell people to do that on a realistic mom overwhelmed burnout mom kind of form is go especially in Austin get green juice like go to juice land go to daily juice order a cold pressed organic juice that has six pounds of vegetables in it in yeah. one glass and drink it like start there if you do that every day your body's going to start craving more micronutrients and more salads and healthy things as opposed to just empty empty calories mm -hmm. and if you want to change your skin green juice is a really quick way to do it and I should note that you have the most like amazing yeah, skin no. ever. Oh my gosh. I was like, oh my gosh. I know y'all can't see her. We'll post like a glowing picture yes. of her, but I'm just like, just tell us your skincare routine real fast. Can we sign up to that? Oh my gosh. It's You're amazing. Kind. Thank you. Thank you very much. I also have a good esthetician. Okay. We're going to have to link that in the show notes. Yes, we're going to have to I'll link her um, in the show notes. So you definitely, you mentioned like beauty products, like things yeah. that are going on our skin. So I'm assuming all natural skincare. So you guys might want to cut this out, but I don't use all natural face skin products. So I really, my practice is so much about balance. Mm -hmm. It's not about rigid confines and dogmatism. It's not about doing everything right all the time. Well, that's hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. And like way to, you know, tell a mom she has to be perfect when she already feels guilty and like she's not doing a good enough job. Yeah. And then you tell her she has to be perfect. She fails. So yes. she quits. Right. Yeah. Of course. I'm a mom. I've done that multiple times a week. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like you can do most things well and leave a lot of wiggle room for 
whatever you want. In this case, it's vanity or dark chocolate or whatever it is, you know, an 80-20 rule. So over the bulk of my body that covers my surface area, I use coconut oil for pretty much anything. But on my face, I use vain skincare products that are probably terrible, but I like them and for me it's worth it. What I put in my body, I'm really conscious of. Um, and what you put on your body certainly makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of my balance in real life is I want to use terrible skincare products because they work. I'm, I, with, I'm <laughs> with you on that. I struggle. Like, I'll switch to I try. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my skin just doesn't, like, feel and look as good. No. And I'm, I'm exactly. Just just on the face. So just on the face. It's I a small that. surface area. It's yeah. like mascara and eyeliner to, like, makeup. I'm like, no, I'm not going to change my eye makeup. It yeah. takes up. A quarter of an inch of my totally. surface area. And we definitely totally agree with you on the 80-20 rule because yeah. um, if you set yourself up for perfection, you're always going to fail and then yeah. you're just constantly chasing something that's unattainable. And we want to help set up our women for a long-term lifestyle. If you mm-hmm. can't sustain something for yeah. three, six months a mm-hmm. year, it's not the right thing for you. Right. And and you'll, you're bound to fail yeah. at that point. So if you, if you leave wiggle room for real life... It's the long-term small changes over the course of time that will make the biggest difference in your health. That's huge. And anytime we're dogmatic about anything, it's usually a little bit of a red flag. Like being passionate is one thing, but when, and, and how do those personality rules and stresses affect our thyroid health? I mean, when we're like right now, we're, you know, busy overachieving women, we're trying to fit it all in. So not only that, you know, the food influence, we've got the toxins, but we've also got like, how are we handling stress? Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes when we're so black and white about yep. everything is organic, everything, it's mm-hmm. great we're educated and we totally love mm-hmm. healthy products, but when it becomes dogmatic, mm-hmm. is that really helping our health? <laughs> and it strips you of your freedom, right? Yeah. And then creates so much guilt. So that all or nothing leaves no room for success, in my opinion. Yeah, and it also I feel like, I've heard it with our clients, like it handicaps people because they're like, oh, I just can't eat all that healthy food like that, you know, Mm -hmm. without even taking baby steps. They kind of see it kind of unattainable in this big picture, Mm -hmm. and so they don't even try because they're like, oh, I can't live like that. Right. As opposed to, like you said, like just fitting in, making small changes, fitting in the micronutrients, like doing things, little habits. And what I see is, and I see this in my women that I kind of move through this process, is they come in and they're like, I've got to lose weight, I'm exhausted. I need to change my diet. I'm like, now is not the time for that. Mm -hmm. Now is the time that I get you feeling better so that you want to feel even better. So it self-propagates, you know, and and my job is viewing it. it, The view of my job is I want to give someone the platform that they can make changes for themselves, but you can't do that when you're so hypothyroid that you can hardly function and get out of bed. So if I can give women that platform and then I can do something like drink a green juice every day and then they feel better then they want to eat more salads and then they're curious about dairy-free and it sort of self-propagates as opposed to, well, this is what you're going to do. You're going to do everything on right. day one. And they're like, I'm out. Right. Never coming back here. I'm going right. to live with this thyroid problem. Right. Well, it's interesting what you said about weight loss because um, we have a lot of people come to us for that, but we it's always like a deeper thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like once you get them feeling better that that's like it kind of naturally happens or it's less important to them? Like do they think – Oh, if I if I lose weight, that's gonna help me feel better. Mm. On top of the thyroid, you know, issues. But is that in women's head? It's kind of ingrained. Like, well, that would solve how I feel. You know, uh, there are women who come to me and they're exhausted, and weight is still their first complaint. Okay. You know, and and I always have to fix their thyroid because if you have a nuance of a thyroid disorder, and you are doing everything to lose weight, 
still going to be very hard. Yeah. And, and that's just the barely hypothyroid people. Most people are far beyond that where, you know, they're pretty far gone and, and they're far from having control of their metabolism. I think for a lot of women, we just want to feel like the efforts that we're putting in are equaling the results that we're seeing. And so without that, with a thyroid problem or with something else going on, there's that loss of control. You can no longer control your health because something's keeping you from losing weight. And so they feel very desperate, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's a really uncomfortable feeling. Um, I do feel like once I fix their thyroid problem, they're more prone to, to be, well, one, they're gonna be able to do the work and lose the weight, but two, they're gonna have the capacity to actually do it in a healthy way and, and put in the effort and make themselves stronger and more resilient and healthier and ultimately lose weight. Yeah, If that. that answers your question. Yeah, that yeah that's perfect. a great question. I love the tip about micronutrients and the green juices in the morning. And mm -hmm. I think it's so funny because even just having the holiday breaks right now, um, you know, like we were out of town. A lot of us have been traveling in the last couple months and like we went out of town and we're eating more processed food because we're out mm -hmm. of town, right? And then coming back home, you don't, I found like my cravings were a lot different. I oh, couldn't get yes. back on board yes. with my plan. So I love that. What an yeah. easy way for us, especially mm -hmm. if you do live in Austin, right. to literally drive to Juice Lean and that you do have that physiological response that your body mm -hmm. will start craving those micronutrients mm -hmm. once you start taking them in again. I love that. That's Totally. And the flip side of that is when you have a heavy gluten and heavy dairy diet, what's really interesting about those two things is by the time they reach your brain, they break down to a morphine derivative. So casomorphone is dairy. Um, gluten's like gliomorphone or something similar to that. So when you go to the hospital and you get, oh my gosh, when you get IV morphine, yeah. it's dextromorphone is what you're getting. Um, it's just, they're the same. Yeah. So our brain interprets that. And just like if you go get IV morphine every day, your body's going to be craving that yeah. when you stop. So when you come back from vacation, you want to continue that cycle of, of refined foods, unhealthy foods, because that's what your body's telling you you need. But if you start to break that cycle and replace it with, with healthy micronutrients, you can really lose that craving, that urge, that constant need, and you'll replace it with something that's so much more healthy. In so many ways. In, I mean, in a million ways. Skin yeah. care, skin health, right. like if you're talking about, I mean, just all these, if you, even purely from a vanity perspective, I mean, there's right. so many benefits. So micronutrients, what are some other nutritional um, yeah. tips that you like to give people yeah. for thyroid health? So, you know, we, we have quite a few micronutrients and minerals that are needed from uh, the upstream kind of brain component of your thyroid, but all the way down to the activation of your thyroid hormone, which is where I find most people have difficulty. That's why people who are on levothyroxine, it's inactive thyroid hormone, a lot of times they don't ever feel well again, um, is because they can't activate that that medication to the what they need is free T3 and they can't do it. So there's a lot of micronutrients and minerals involved in, in that process. Zinc, selenium, iodine, magnesium. You know, So what I tell people is if you are on levothyroxine, if you don't have access to a functional medicine doctor and your doctor won't consider changing your medication, which is you know a, a huge, huge option for getting your life back, get a thyroid support supplement that gives you kind of A to Z what you need to activate your hormones um, because that's everything. If, you're, if you only have a crude oil hormone and you can't activate it because you're micronutrient depleted or you're too inflamed, um, you won't ever really feel well. That's so my two favorite companies are Designs for Health and Zymogen for thyroid support supplements. Okay. So you can Google that and look online. Awesome. 
and then it's just one pill. So you're not taking like zinc and selenium, and iodine, all of these things separately. You just get it in one fell swoop. No that's pill good. fatigue. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. Because yeah. it is hard. It's I, way hard. I feel like you take one of those. I know. Well, I what I've been Did doing. Did I just is, out you? No. <laughs> <laughs> all the little. Yeah, I've been doing all the little bits, and it's, it's just, too much. It's too much. Yeah. Because and then remembering for the love, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Like even just today meeting with my practitioner it was like, do you, how's your, are you taking fish oil? And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I have a bottle of fish oil right, yeah. in my fridge, but it, I mean, there's never really a time I want to like choke down some cod liver oil and I'll do no. it, but <laughs> for the love. Resistance, yes. right, to that It's not good myself. before coffee. It's not good <laughs> after coffee. It's not good. <laughs> no, the burping is never good. No. Yeah. I mean, f- pill fatigue is huge and it's real and you can't expect people to take 40 supplements every day to feel good mm-hmm. because I wouldn't do that. And so I can't expect my patients to do it. So anytime you can consolidate, it will make your life more manageable. And that's what we're all looking for. Yeah. How long do you typically work with people when someone comes to you and like, what does it look like when someone's working with you? Yeah. So people come to see me, I do an intake and uh, we order labs and after we get our labs back, they basically, basically get put on like a three month treatment cycle. So always I change people from levothyroxine, um, because I don't have one patient in my practice that feels good on only levothyroxine. So I either add something to it or change it. Um, and I, change their thyroid medication in small microscopic dose increases over time. So over about three weeks, I'll change them in increments every few days, which allows me to get them so much farther in their treatment than I would if I were to change them one dose at a time. It would take me five years to give someone their life back one dose at a time. So I do that and then I make them wait about eight weeks for everything to settle in after that last dose change. So about every three months, we make changes for a few weeks, they get labs three months later, Um, They come back to see me and then we start the next round of treatment until ultimately on a scale of one to 10, my objective kind of measurement of energy, vitality, sense of well-being. If 10 is absolutely perfect, I want to get them to an eight or an 8.5. That last 1.5 to two is a perfect lifestyle all the time. And like we've discussed, no one wants to do that. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, at that point I release them and I only follow up with them every year with labs or if they feel like they're drifting off course, we'll get labs, they'll come back. Uh, but that's kind of the protocol. Usually people start to feel improvement from the first treatment cycle. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And you see the spectrum from clearly diagnosed with Hashimoto's or with hypothyroid to I'm experiencing symptoms. I don't know what they are. My doctor's visits are inconclusive. Like you see the whole spectrum? The whole spectrum. Wow. I mean, I have even a lot of people who are really intelligent who really think they have a thyroid problem. They have no real data to prove it, but they're like, I need you to help me because I think I have a thyroid problem. Fatigue people in general are kind of my people. Um, so often it is I'm often it is a thyroid problem by the time they make it to me, but every once in a while it's not. And I can usually facilitate change even with those people. Um, but yeah, I see a very broad spectrum. Um, hormones and thyroid are my jam. They're my things that I'm good at. So what, how about the, the hormone piece? What are you seeing a lot in like women in our demographic? Oh gosh, y'all. If I could tell <laughs> are you taking, one thing. Are we taking? <laughs> um, at some point you might want to do a podcast on this, but yeah. low progesterone is something that I see extremely commonly. Um, I change people's lives every single day in my practice with thyroid. Every day someone comes in to see me and they cry because I've changed their life. But the most life-changing thing I've ever seen in medicine is fixing a woman's progesterone. It's crazy. And it happens like that. What? Tell us why. So um, estrogen dominance. We just live in an environment where we tend to have too much estrogen, which really snuffs out our progesterone. Women start to get symptoms of, you know, miscarriages, 
um, heavy periods, crampy periods, moody periods, anxiety, irritability, agitation, insomnia worsened before their periods. A lot of times they end up getting put on birth control to try and fix it, which is terrible um, and unnecessary. Postmenopausal women have certainly low progesterone. When in the postmenopausal community, on night one, they're better. By day four or five, usually they're like emailing, will McCall be my best friend? <laughs> and then the women who you know are, are younger and still having periods and such, really it takes me one to two cycles and most of the time I can regulate them. I love, love, love two women who have had recurrent miscarriages, often due to low progesterone so early in their pregnancy. I like take such good care of them and I check their progesterone every week to be sure it's good when they're pregnant. I mean, it's just, it's a really easy thing to fix, but it is life-changing. Life-changing. That's incredible. I had no idea. So the <laughs> symptoms, like, go over the symptoms one more time. Yeah. If you were like, oh, again, I'm sound like, like, I, I, I know. Sound like, <laughs> is this me? And starting to think. Yeah. yeah. So tell yeah. us. So in postmenopausal women, it's okay. anxiety, irritability, agitation, insomnia. Okay. In women who are still having their periods, it's all those things, anxiety, irritability, agitation, insomnia. Usually those are worsened before their periods. Heavy periods, crampy periods, moody periods, dysregulated cycles, so starting your period too early. Um, sometimes you can get breast tenderness, migraines, um, and then miscarriages. So, I mean, that's big. And, and I see these women every day. And it's such a fixable thing. I had a woman come in and a, a few weeks ago who came in. I treated her progesterone. She came back for her first appointment. And she sat down and she looked at me and she said, you're a witch. Oh Are you God. serious? Because yeah. it she's was that like, effective. Yeah, she's like, you're a good witch. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's really cool. My job is awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. And I feel like that's a little off the spectrum because I, um, the thyroid piece, like you hear, we're hearing a little more about, but like yeah. sex hormones, we know there's some junk going on. We know, but like that progesterone piece. It's huge, I mean, that's y'all. Amazing. Huge. I feel like we're hearing a lot about testosterone too with testosterone women. I'm hearing too. all about like, the pills, the shots, the this, the mm-hmm. pellets, the, yeah. um, are you seeing a lot of that or is yeah. that kind of, um, misdiagnosed by other practitioners? Too? You know, I actually, so what's interesting is when we get stressed, when we get taxed, when we become estrogen dominant in any of those situations, our hormones start dropping. The two lowest hormones that we have are progesterone and testosterone. And they're, our, our hormones are like a seesaw and estrogens on one side. Um, estrogen range, just to kind of give it perspective, goes from zero to like 350. Testosterone from zero to 55 for women, or progesterone zero to 25. So obviously testosterone and progesterone are tiny, tiny mm-hmm. compared to estrogen. So as they all fall, progesterone and testosterone are gone first, and the seesaw's tipped, and then we're estrogen dominant. And the estrogen and the progesterone and testosterone can never quite tip the scale back until someone sort of intervenes almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do see a ton of low testosterone women. Uh, it correlates too with the low progesterone often. And signs and symptoms of those are fatigue, loss of overall sense of well-being, low sex drive, poor, like poor ability to climax, um, difficulty exercise, exercising, difficulty recovering from exercise, or difficulty with like building muscle mass or retaining it. Um, I'm kind of biased in my method of fixing testosterone, which is cream for women. Uh, but I do see it as being a, a, a big issue. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And someone was explaining to me that low sex drive um, is defined by your initiation mm-hmm. of not just how many times are you having sex, right? it's how often do you want to initiate? And I was right. like, whoa, or that's a whole different about perspective. It. Right, right, right. <laughs> 
Because again, it's one of those things that we all just kind of laugh about as women. Right. Like, ha ha, I'm so busy. I've got a headache. I've got, but like, right. whoa, what kind of report card is that telling us about our bodies right. that we do need to check in, that it's more than just like, oh, I mean, maybe for some of us it is just purely I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed. But is there a deeper reason that as healthy women, we should be having healthy cycles and mm -hmm. we should be having a healthy drive? Yep. And both of those could potentially be telling us more. Right. And I, I mean, we're meant to procreate. So when we're healthy, when we're strong, when we have a lot of vitality. So if we lose that desire, it, it means that we're not healthy enough to procreate. And so that's a, a good indicator that we need to look more deeply into our health and what can we do to change it. That is so interesting. What are some ways that we can... I mean, is it something like across the board, like we should all be trying to increase our progesterone or mm. is because of the toxic world we live in? Or, yeah. I mean, all, what are all the ways we're being exposed to estrogen? It's a lot, isn't oh, it? Oh my gosh, the estrogen thing <laughs> is so bad. Really, I mean, it's in, it's in plastics, it's in beauty products, you know, it's in Febreze, it's in your laundry detergent. I mean, anything that smells, you can assume to be estrogenergic. Anytime you use water bottles, you know, um, when you save your leftovers in plastic containers and you put it in hot or you run them through the dishwasher, all of those things start to leach estrogen, which increases breast cancer risk, ovarian cancer risk, blood clots, all of those things, um, and then ultimately ends up disrupting our hormones, right? Um, so we all want to take care with those things. And like one of the easiest things I tell people is just buy a glass or stainless water bottle. Mm -hmm. Use it when you can. When you can't, you get a plastic water bottle at the 7-Eleven. It doesn't matter. But the day-to-day, -day, if you make the changes that you – you do what you can when you can mm -hmm. so that when you can't, you don't have to. And those things really make a difference in your long-term health. But, yeah, soy is another one that can, you know, be estrogenergic. So they're, they're everywhere. So if you have those symptoms of low progesterone or low testosterone, certainly get labs and check it out. The, the biggest piece of advice I'd give on that quickly is you always wanna get labs for your hormones on day 21 of your cycle if you have a period. You can't just randomly check labs. It's not gonna give you enough information. Do you encourage your women to track their cycle? I just started yes. doing that and I feel like I'm noticing all these things that, you know, yes. we're busy so I don't think about that. I'm like, I hardly remember what I did yesterday, but right. I really love with the app and I'm like, oh, I felt this the last month and just yes. noticing the symptoms and the days. Without even having labs, mm -hmm. I can tell if a woman has low progesterone if they track that kind of stuff. You know, wow, awesome. I mean, that is more important than labs. I'm, I'm an objective data person, mm -hmm. so I always get labs anyway, but truly that's even more reliable than labs. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so that is a, an extremely valuable piece of information. So Do you have you, one you recommend? Yeah, I like the Flow app. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's free and mm -hmm. it's fantastic. So use it, especially if you are having some of these issues, because if you go to someone with that data, it's it's really useful. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I know we started the podcast saying, oh, we're moms, we're all busy, we're just kind of like living. But I also feel like there is a shift where women are becoming more conscious of how they feel mm -hmm. and wanting to feel better. And yeah. I'm sure that's why we're seeing a lot of rise of um, people coming to you for all their symptoms and, you know, the hormone things. Or do you think it, or do you also attribute that to just like the change in times? You know, I'll tell you this. I commonly, one of the most common things that people come and say to me in their first appointment at my practice is, you know, I want to be a better mom is ultimately what it is. And when you're not able to take care of yourself and you're so exhausted and you're just barely getting by yourself, you feel terrible because you feel like you want to be a better mom for mm -hmm. the, the kids that you have, right? 
Um, and I think that is so much of the driving factor. And then I think from there, women tend to get empowered and they want to go further and be stronger and healthier. And, and it's just sort of a self-propagating cycle at that point. But so much of the time I do see that it starts with the fact of, well, I put myself on hold for so long and I was okay with that. But now I feel like it's affecting my ability to be a mom mm-hmm. and I'm not okay with that. And I want to make a change. I love that. Do you think it's more picking backing on that more of a, a current awareness or do you think that these issues are actually increasing? Like, is um, there more hypothyroid and more Hashi or are we just becoming more aware and we're great question. Um, I do think that there is an increase in incidence, but also I do think we're becoming more aware. I think thanks to the work of, you know, again, Dr. Isabella Wentz and people like Amy Myers and people who are really, advocating for the thyroid community for these fatigued burnout women who've been told that nothing's wrong with them that they're crazy and they need to find they need to just exercise and eat better when they're in reality so much of the time you guys it's it's hormonal it's biochemical and there truly is something going on they just need the right person to help them sort through that Um, so I, I do think it's both and I'm grateful for the people who are kind of waving the flag on behalf of all of these women because whenever I was going through my thyroid crisis, there was only one advocacy group. And if I hadn't found them, I don't know if I would have my life back. And by now, this many years later, I'd probably be on disability. I would not be working. I would not be a functioning member of society because I was hardly functioning then. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. Yeah. And just how difficult, like just to encourage any women that have been going, mm-hmm. feeling like they're going against a wall, like mm-hmm. just banging their head on a wall, that there is hope that, because so that's got to be so discouraging when, right? I mean, especially if someone doesn't believe you. I know um, some of the advocates or physicians in the thyroid community will like list or just start like verbalizing responses women have gotten from doctors. Like, oh. it's all in your head. Oh, like, yeah. just you pick, need an antidepressant. Antidepressants. Yeah. How often they're. Yeah, for thyroid problems. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a tragedy. I do think it's going to change. Yeah. Because I don't think it can continue to be the way that it is. I think people are getting too smart and people are getting too desperate and people are getting too sick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's a very terrible thing. And if there's anything that you take away from this podcast today, it's do not listen to your doctor if they tell you nothing is wrong. You have to go so much deeper because in all likelihood, if you have the majority of those symptoms that we talked about, something is wrong. Yeah. And, and our women are fixed. smart. You know yourself. Yes, right. Like, yes. If you have that feeling and you're like, you just know it. You've got to listen to your body. and Right. I love it. And Come get see answers. The good witch. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be my new tagline. I know. The good witch. The good witch. <laughs> that beautiful dress. From, well, and I think like our whole lives as women, we've been kind of taught that, you know, we've had this weird like relationship with our bodies. We've been like, it's been objectified or we're trying to look a certain way with it. And I think it's this beautiful realization that like, when you find out your body was on your side the whole time, like this whole time, your body was on your side. And even in this season of potential dysfunction, Mm -hmm. really it's protecting you and it just needs the right, um, right things to get back on track. But like, yeah. ultimately it was never against you. I think that's like one of the beautiful things we're all learning as we grow and right. in this, that like if we're nourishing our bodies with healthy food, because we love them, not because we're trying to chisel them into a right. size that society has told us was, right. but this kind of goes along with that idea of just like when our cycles, when our drive, when our fatigue, like it's our body giving us this 
beautiful message to pay attention. Yeah. Um, what even like I've heard depression is just like a, a way that your body is telling you pay attention. Something yeah. more is going on here that you yeah. need to, it's kind of, it's not a great gift. None of, none of us really want that, but in yeah. some ways it is a little bit of a gift because it can elicit change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have one more really quick question. Um, yes. You on your website talk about your kind of focus on psychiatric health too that yeah. pairs with this. Yeah. Can you talk about that for a yeah. second? So I, uh, in my background conventionally is in psychiatry and I entered functional medicine in integrative and functional medicine psychiatry. Um, about three years ago, there was a shift in my new patient population from mainly being a psychiatric practice to at one point about 80% of my new patients were thyroid without me ever marketing myself as a thyroid expert. And actually what had happened, and I don't tell many people this, but I had enough patients with depression that were treatment resistant because they would come to me last. I don't take insurance, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they'd come when they were really like last ditch effort. I had enough of them who hadn't responded to antidepressants that actually had a thyroid problem. So I fixed their thyroid problem, y'all. And they went and they spread my information all over the internet. Oh my gosh. And they built up this whole niche for me that I did not know was my true calling without me even realizing it. So eventually I told Ron, my business partner, I'm like, Ron, almost all of my patients are thyroid. Like, I think, I think I need to change some things. <laughs> like, I think I might be in the wrong niche. Yeah. And so I did. And really and truly, this is what I'm passionate about. Mm. It's my calling. Um, but I do still love to dabble in the world of psychiatry because it, it, it intertwines so much with hormones, with thyroid, with, with inflammation, with all of those things. So I, I still do some of that as well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah. That's that such random? a great I know it story. Is. I loved it. I read that. I was like, oh gosh, I've got to ask her. That's a funny I'm so question. glad you asked that. And yeah. that's like another whole can of worms yeah. is just like our mental health as right. women and yeah. how many things, again, we, we think, oh, well, I just must need another drink or I must just mm -hmm. need to shop more or when we really have these like deep seated mm -hmm. little gifts of messages yep. <laughs> telling us to pay attention. Yeah. You are just amazing. Okay, so top oh, takeaways for women who want to just support their thyroid. We talked about micronutrients. We talked yeah. about um, stress. Did we talk about stress management? Is that no, but that's piece? huge. Okay. That's huge for your conversion, stress management. I recommend the Calm app for meditation. It's amazing. Okay. Um, so that sleep, low inflammation, heavy micronutrient diet, get a thyroid supplement. If you want to get labs and your doctor won't check them, right? You can download my thyroid lab guide to see what to order. You can also go to yourlabwork.com forward slash McCall, and they have my thyroid bundle on there that you can order for cash pay for cheap. So that's like another barrier of people hit without being able to get information. You can breeze through that one. You can look at your labs through my lab guide. If you find you have a problem, um, you know, you can find someone locally that can help you either obviously me in Austin or um, Dr. Isabella Wenz's website has some practitioners listed like we talked about before. Um, you know, and lastly, we might want to do a whole part two on this, but met thyroid medication, all medications are not created equal. And unfortunately, 99.99% of people are put on one that does not work. Levothyroxine, Synthroid, T-Recent. For the vast majority of the population, that medication does not work, and it is the most number one prescribed medication in America. That's so scary. That blew so, my mind. Right. That blew my mind. Right. Because well, all these thought. people, like I've heard once you're on it, you can't get off of it, right? It's like... Well, I mean, once you have a true thyroid disorder, you can't get off. But the problem is that with that, that medication that people are being given is, is crude oil. It's inactive. It's inert. They have to be able to convert it to gasoline. 
We can't put crude oil in our car to make it go. We need it. Mm-hmm. We need gasoline, right? So they're given, they're flooded with crude oil. They don't get well because they can't activate it and make it into gasoline. They go back to their doctor. Their doctor says, well, we'll give you more. Same. You can give someone all the crude oil in the world, but if they can't convert it into gasoline, it's not going to do you a lick of good. So there's whole other classes of medications that either are pure active thyroid hormone or part pure or part active and part inactive. And those are where lives are changed. Um, truly it's how I got my life back. It's how I give people their lives back every day. So at some point we should dig into that as well. Yeah. We would yeah. love Let's that. do it. I know. We're <laughs> always about a part two. Yes. I mean, like, are we always, are we? Yeah. We're always like, wait, now there was like 20 other things that we just uncovered that <laughs> no. we need to go back and We always want to keep it like short enough where moms like yeah. have the changes man, but we're like, we're, we're going to need another one. We'll yeah, do it yeah. again. So thank you so much. This was amazing. I know you're really going to just change lives right here through the podcast and we're going to definitely make sure everyone can get in touch with you. And um, hopefully we'll be doing a part two. I know. Thank you, guys. This was a blast. Y'all are amazing. Thank and you. I'm so grateful and excited to have you as part of our community. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Us too. We yeah. feel likewise. We're, we're just really excited to learn and just to get to share this. And since so many of our, our listeners are not not all of you and we love all of you but like we do have a lot of locals so just being able to share that like having you here really means a lot to us so we're we're just very very excited thanks, so yes, all right thank you, you. Time. bye everyone bye bye